Michael, are you sure you're using the right mic? Just double check it, please. Yes, yes, I'm positive. You can see this one is is lit up, and oh, yeah, that's donking. Yeah. What what little guy did you get? Um. So so you can see my recording studio. That yep, that's a tiny little mic. It's a tiny little mic and a nice little pillow. No, that's great. I mean, that's very with with my pillows behind it because it it's it says it's cardioid, but it is definitely not. That's uh, so, that's great. So yeah, uh, based on that, you can probably tell I am currently in sunny Los Angeles, California. Oh uh, yeah, West Coast. How is it? You seen any celebrities? I have actually. I went up to the uh, Hollywood sign, hiked up there with some friends, oh. and I'm like, I'm gonna say I'm at like a thirty percent chance, uh, or I'm, I'm like thirty percent sure that I saw the Cash Me Outside girl. Because she had like an entourage, and I I couldn't tell which one of them was no, famous. The closest no. thing I saw, I was like, I, I think that's her. Because like no she's way. apparently been blowing up. I I'm pretty sure I saw her. Yeah. Which like of all the celebrities you could see, like I feel like that's the most likely to be like, yeah, that seems about right. That you yeah, see that's her. fair. It's it's least less. That's a small enough amount of famous that it's believable. Exactly. Right. Side girl. Bad yeah. baby. Do you not know who that is? Cash huh? me outside. Is how it about bad that? baby? I think yeah. I think she's into rap now. That's her. That's yep. her. Bad. bad baby. I did. Oh, with spelled with <laughs> H's. With H's. Bad baby. Oh my god. She got she got famous on Doctor Phil. Okay. Well, she got famous before Doctor Phil. No, 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 no. You're right. It was. She Dr. got famous Phil. on Doctor Phil, and yeah. she told the audience to cash her outside. How about Doctor Phil's a piece of? How shit. about that? He sure is. Well, while we're starting today, uh, Michael, I noticed that you have a fortune cookie there. I do. I uh, I've been ordering Uber Eats in my hotel every single day, so uh, I've decided that whatever this uh, whatever this fortune cookie says is going to be the the uh, quality of this podcast. So let's. Yeah. So um, if the fortune cookie's bad, just turn it off. Oh, yeah, getting some good ASMR there. This is great. You are guided by silent love and friendship around you. So, um, <laughs> okay. that's, I think that All means right. don't I don't think make that's a, a fortune, guys. That's not really a fortune. I, I, that's, no, that's it's not, good. It's not. That means our chemistry for this podcast is going to be on. on yeah, but it says silent love. Silent. Oh. Silent's really, it's really hard podcast. to do a podcast if we're silent. Yeah. Pretty much an audio medium. Medium. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to I Really Wish You Hadn't. I'm Michael Bentley from sunny Los Angeles, California. Hey. Joining uh, my co-host, Cayman McMahon. Hello. And as always, our producer, Colin Moore. Uh, East Coast. East Coast. <laughs> West Coast represent. <laughs> Not even near a coast. Yeah, you're just kind of landlocked. Represent. I'm next to the Mississippi. Mississippi River represent. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> you are you are on the uh you are on the east coast of the Mississippi. There we go. And I could be on the west coast of the Mississippi in like well, thirty actually, minutes. Actually I think I think but the coast would be. Oh no! Yeah, he's on the west coast. Yeah, because it's the the rivers oh, to the yeah, west of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
That's interesting. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> that will be for another episode on our other podcast, uh, River Geography with Cayman, Michael, and Colin. Oh, God, I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, it's 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 the big one for 2021. Uh, we, we've been uh, featured in a lot of magazines. But anyway, Cayman, why don't you tell the people what we're here to actually talk about today? So, well, we're here to talk about a few things. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to excuse me. I've um, I've been sick the past few days, so I'm on a little bit of you know cold suppressant type stuff. But we're gonna make it through this. Hey man, I'm I'm on a microphone that I bought for really cheap at Best Buy, so our audio quality is. Colin's gonna have a field day with this one. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. So before we start today with the main topic, we're going to be breaking into a subject that we have yet to bring up on this podcast before, which is the subject of geology. Hmm. Sp- Specifically, we need to talk about the ore galena. Now, galena is relatively abundant in that it can be found nearly worldwide, and even the earliest civilizations used it in one way or another. For instance, the ancient Egyptians used it for their eye cosmetic called coal, which is that classic black around the eyes. Uh, it was actually but it wasn't reduce- actually coal. No, 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 no. Okay. no it wasn't. Uh, but it reduced the glare of the sun and repelled flies. So, like, Does that's it pretty actually neat. Actually, reduced the glare of the sun. Yeah, apparently having that black around their eyes because it, 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 it. it absorbs the light. So uh, also all across the early, or I guess not early, they've always been there, all across Eastern North Americas, the Native, American used, the Native Americans used Galea for decorative paints and cosmetics. And in fact, there is evidence as early as 6400 BCE in Asia, Ma- in Asia Minor, Galena was being smelted down for the metals inside, which is quite possibly the earliest evidence of metal smelting. Cayman, are, are you sure you didn't confuse this with like another podcast? I like, did not. We're getting there. Okay. <laughs> but right now we're talking this, about Honestly, rocks. like as you've been talking, all I can like picture in my mind is like a Bill Nye, like one of those like in between bits. God, like, I wish I was Bill have Nye. Have you ever heard of Galena? Fun he fact, actually... uh, Colin was actually one of the kids on Bill Nye. Oh, really? Yeah, he he never told me that. Mm -mm, No, that's not. Yeah, no, he was. He was. He's just being shy. He was. I I actually uh, I I know the cash me outside girl. You guys could maybe like do a collab or something. (laughs) Yeah. Bill Nye kid and and what's her name again? Barbie doll or something. Bad baby. Baby. Bad Bad baby. baby. Bad Bill Nye Nye kid. (laughs) (laughs) So regardless, these metals that were being smelted from Galena would become vitally important to many of the great early civilizations. But perhaps most importantly, at least early on, was its use in Rome. In the smelting of Galena, Roman miners were mainly after silver. Unfortunately, Galena is only about 1-2% silver. The other metal in Galena was mostly just a byproduct, which the Romans referred to as plumbum. That being said, the Romans, if anything, were very advantageous people. See, plumbum while being a heavy metal, was also soft, malleable, and had a relatively low melting point. Plumbum also held a huge advantage over iron in that it did not corrode easily or rust. Oh yeah, we all remember the start of the Plumblum Age. (laughs) Right. So for these reasons, Plumblum was used very early on in Roman history for all sorts of products. It was used as a base in their paints. It made up about 30% of their bronze coins. It was used for decoration, jewelry, cosmetics. It was used in the construction materials such as fastenings and metal sheeting. 
Uh, it was used for serving dishes and cutlery. It was used during the winemaking process. And perhaps most famously, it was used to create the pipes and channel lining that made up the vast Roman waterwork system. Hence, leading to the name of plumbing that we still use to this day, plumbum plumbing. The only downside of plumbum, it seems, was the negative effect it could have on the human body, and the ancient peoples noticed. In observing lead workers in 370 BC, Hippocrates noticed that a work hazard of the profession was upset stomach. In the 200s BC, there were the first written accounts of reduced motor skills and paralysis. In 14 BC, Roman architect Vitruvius noticed paleness and gaunt complexions in plumbum workers and wrote that, quote, Plumbum would rob the limbs of the virtues of the blood. Therefore, it seems that water should not be brought in plumbum pipes if we desire to be wholesome. Essentially, what he's saying is like, your limbs would stop working if, if things were in plumbum. Didn't you say they were also making like cutlery and plates and stuff out of this? Oh, yeah, they were making a lot of stuff out of it. Okay. So, I wonder if that comes up later. I'm sure it will. Uh, <laughs> these observations of these afflictions, which came to be known as Saturnism, due to their association with the disgruntled god Saturn, mm -hmm. didn't slow down the use of plumbum one bit. And he was the one that ate all his kids, right? Exactly, yeah. And okay. people were like, oh, well, you know, you get, the, you get Saturnism, and you get all grumpy, and you... All that sort of stuff. And then and you eat your children. And volatile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if there are actually any accounts of that, uh, but that is kind of kind of the mood that they're going for. So I attribute to Plumbum not slowing down, despite them, you know, kind of having warning signs about it, to one of four reasons. Reason one, uh, it seemed that wasn't that big of a deal. You know, in a society where disease is rampant, and God knows if you're actually going to make it to your 30th birthday, who cares if Plumbum may give you a tummy ache? Reason two, it was mostly seen as something that affected plumbum workers, so people simply weren't worried about it. Reason three, Saturnism wasn't really seen as being caused by plumbum, but rather seen as a curse given by the god Saturn, who I guess just despised plumbum workers. Or reason four, which I think is the most likely, is that the general population wasn't informed or didn't understand the health risks. You have to realize, not a single Roman ever had a kindergarten education because kindergarten hadn't even been invented yet. But Cayman, had they looked into 5G as a possible cause of Saturnism? Mm, yeah, good question. Well, just like kindergarten, uh, 5G had not been invented yet. Uh, I know, no. I'm fairly certain the Germans invented kindergarten. I'm not sure if they invented 5G. I'm pretty sure they invented like 5G, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now here is where I will say that plumbum today is more popularly known by its Germanic name, lead. Oh, so the Germans did this one too. Oh, <laughs> right. <told ya>. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to be switching to that word from here on out. It's much easier to say. You have it been, is. You've been having a hell of a time with it. Although the next time you look at the periodic table of elements, you're you're going to be sure to notice that the lead symbol for lead PB. is labeled PB. Yeah. Plumbum. Mm. Ah. Are, are we sure this wasn't lead lobbyists that made the word so hard to say that nobody <laughs> would talk about it? <laughs> right, that's what it was. I mean, there probably were lobbyists in Rome. I, I think that they cared more about politics than, you know, like feeding people. 
Yeah, so, we'll do Rome eventually. Actually, it sounds like we're doing Rome right now. So. We're kind of, we're doing a little bit of Rome right now, which I'm surprised yeah. it's taken us this long. It's just such a large topic that we're terrified of it. Honestly, yeah, you were like, we're going to talk about one thing that we've never talked about on this podcast, and you went with geology. I think you should have been like, <laughs> we're finally talking about Rome. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, metallurgy is a new topic for us. Now, while Saturnism, or as we know it today, lead poisoning, was thought to be mostly just affecting those that worked with lead in Roman times, we have to consider the likeliness that it could spread to others. See, as previously mentioned, lead was also being used in Roman piping and in Roman winemaking. As for the piping, it has long been thought that calcium carbonate deposits that formed in these pipes and the, con and the constant flow of water kept the water from being contaminated. However, recent studies have indicated that Roman water could have contained roughly 100 times as high a concentration of lead as local spring water. As for the wine, winemakers preferred to use lead-lined copper vats in their winemaking as it gave the wine a sweet flavor. The recipes for these wines, when reproduced in modern times, resulted in wine that contained anywhere from 240 to 1,000 milligrams per liter, which could easily cause chronic lead poisoning in small amounts. So what you're saying is they had a perfectly good copper container and they were like, you know what this needs? Lead. Let's put some lead in it just to give it the flavor. Exactly. It made a sweet flavor and we'll get to that more in a that's little while. That's the poison. But poison so sweet. Also, also when you bring the lead wine to the party, you have ragers. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> People are puking and rallying everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> What was it called in college when someone just mixed a bunch of like terrible alcohols together and like put Gatorade in it? Hunch uh, punch? Uh, hunch punch. Or, hunch um, punch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hunch punch. Oh, yeah. So now while the lead pipes may have been safe for most Romans, uh, evidence suggests that the wine definitely was not. And who drank the wine more frequently than the Roman aristocracy? A 1983 article in the New England Journal of Medicine by Jerome Niragu, who was a geochemist and later professor emeritus of environmental health sciences at the University of Michigan, examined evidence of the diets of 30 Roman emperors and leaders and found that most were consuming levels of lead that would have certainly caused them to have lead poisoning. This evidence is backed up when looking at afflictions that Roman rulers exhibited, for instance... Augustus, who was completely sterile, a side effect of lead poisoning, and Julius Caesar, who was only able to father one child despite having a massive love of woman, women that was well documented. Emperor Claudius also reported to have disturbed speech, weak limbs, an ungainly gait, tremors, fits of excessive and inappropriate laughter, and unseemly anger, and he often slobbered, just, you know, when talking, as one does. All symptoms of lead poisoning. From this conclusion, Niragu suggested that lead poisoning was likely one of the factors that led to the fall of Rome. Uh, wait, hold on. Is that is that is that what we're attributing it to, and not the fact that all these leaders are just wine drunk every day? <laughs> you know, a mix of a few. There's probably a few different things working in tandem that caused right. the fall of Rome. Uh, so there are critics of that theory, uh, but the correlation is hard to ignore. Regardless, increasingly unstable leader after leader, Rome eventually did fall, and the use of lead persevered. Throughout the Middle Ages, the use of lead continued, especially in wine and in foods with a sweetener known today as lead acetate, which, surprise, is a poison. Yeah. 
In fact, the earliest confirmed poisoning by lead acetate was that of Pope Clement II, who died in October 1047. I believe that's also the first ever recorded death by sweet tooth. <laughs> that was bad. It was that awful. That wasn't good. <laughs> yep, yep, I want to cut it. We're not cut cutting it. it. We're leaving it. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, damn. In 1440, lead found yet another use when Johannes Gutenberg invented the first printing press. Another German. Using lead, he made movable type in large quantities. In the age of gunpowder, lead was used to create ammunition, guns, and cannons, ensuring that the dangerous metal was still being mass-produced. Yeah, and just in case the uh, the wound doesn't kill him, the lead will. <laughs> right. And frequently, the factories which made these lead weapons, lead guns, were expelling lead-laden fumes and infecting large areas with aerosol lead, which is how it's the most dangerous, which keep that in mind for later. In a letter to his friend in 1786, Benjamin Franklin spoke of his own experiences working in a printing house, in which he noticed that his co-workers had lost use of their hands after long periods of drying the lead with their hands, and recalled a rum company that had used lead, causing many people who drank it to have severe belly aches and loss of feeling in their limbs. He also concluded that those who collect rainwater off roofs for drinking would likely face the same issues if the roofs were painted with lead paint. I mean, okay, so why is this still an issue? Like, is it not just completely off? Like, Ben Franklin's like, hey, look at all this empirical evidence. Hey, listeners, look, Michael just found that I really wish you hadn't. Yeah, just but found like, it right there. <laughs> but like, you're literal. we're talking about the span of literal millennia. Yeah, and it's been a problem for a long time. People, because it's just too convenient. And people are like, it's just too convenient. We're not going to... And, I, you know, also, like, medicine just really in the past, like, 100 years is where, like, it really got good. And, like, <laughs> so... I, I think it's just the, like, desire to, like, <laughs> reduce, reuse, recycle. They're like, oh, we got all this crappy, like, byproduct. We we'll gotta just use, use it, it for other stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, we just built this campfire. Like, let's just eat the ash. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, we still uh, we still use lead all the time. I have lead right over there with my solder kit. It's lead solder. Yeah. Like, yep. lead is still used. Yep. Today. And you you're not it? supposed to handle that lead. No, but, you yeah, know, I we'll... just I, I mean, you have to touch it, but then you wash your hands like really thoroughly when you're done. Yeah. So Franklin's conclusion was that lead is a serious problem that should be addressed, but noted that people would be unlikely to accept the fact in saying, and this is a quote, you will observe with concern how long a useful truth may be known and exist before it is generally received and practiced on, end quote, which I think is a fantastic quote that applies to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Ben Franklin he was a really weird dude, but that's he a... was just chock full of wisdom. <laughs> that was like that was a good quote. So it wouldn't be until the late 1800s that regulation of lead would start to be introduced. In 1878, after noticing a steady rise in documented lead blindness, people going blind mm -hmm. from lead, England introduced mandatory factory inspections and appointed the first medical inspector of factories in 1898. Shortly after, there was a 25-fold decrease in lead poisoning incidents. Just because, you know, they tried a little. Yeah. Amazing how that works. Yeah. Catching on to the movement, most European countries banned lead paint for interiors by 1930. The U.S. wouldn't follow suit until much later. Yeah. Do I want to know how much later? <laughs> oh, we'll get there. Okay. 
But the new health revolution wasn't going to stop lead. In fact, one of the worst lead epidemics was just getting ramped up in the early 1900s. See, in the 20th century, the United States was the world's leading producer of lead. And despite the fact that the industrial age had been going on for a while, lead was still finding new uses and being mass produced. Mainly, there was tetraethyl lead, commonly known as TEL. In 1921, three engineers at GM noted that TEL as an additive in gasoline would make engines quieter and boost performance. And within the next few years, petrol with the additive TEL, known as leaded gasoline here in the U.S., was being pumped in cars by the millions of gallons. Yeah, I remember that. Because, like, I, I kind of knew that's where this was going because, yeah, you always see, like, the signs that say, like, unleaded gas. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> the man had the opportunity. He wrote he said, our constitution. He wrote our constitution. He could have put in there like, hey, by the way, no more lead. No, the Third Amendment, no, no more lead. No more lead. Yeah, exactly. That's he could have done it. He, this is so rock. Third Amendment, <laughs> the army can't live in your house. Yeah. Second so Amendment, put... no more lead. <laughs> See, Colin's got it. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Don't. Cayman, <laughs> Cayman, you're wrong here. Uh, okay. Oh, 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 I have a problem. Uh, unleaded gas. That insinuates that it had lead in it and lead has been removed. Is Has that the case or should it be non-leaded gas? I think there's still just a bunch of people alive from when leaded gas was a thing. But it's not That gas company still put though. that on there. Unleaded means, means lead has been removed. Like, like lead was there and now it's not. It's now unleaded. <laughs> it should be non-leaded. But to be it fair, it was never leaded in the first place. I feel like if I pulled up to a pump and it didn't say unleaded gas, and like I know that this is specifically but, an American thing, like we're the only ones that even call it gas. Like all yeah, the I was rest about to say, we're not saying petrol, so petrol. it's very but if I pulled up to a pump that didn't say unleaded gas, I would be slightly concerned. I'd do a double take for sure. I'm not. And I'd be like, no, certainly. I wouldn't I'm not even saying it this. shouldn't be labeled. I'm just saying the label's dumb. But th that specific <laughs> yeah, verbiage of the label is dumb. Yes, it is. You know what? Benjamin Franklin, all I'm saying is Benjamin Franklin could have recommended a bill of wrongs. <laughs> <laughs> first uh, one, lead. No first more one, lead. lead. Second one, army living in your house. <laughs> I mean, I know. <laughs> the, the, the other fun fact is we will... We will be doing a Benjamin Franklin episode at one point because he was into some weird shit. We will. And for everyone screaming at the radio, yes, that is a John Mulaney bit. It We're is, not just yeah. ripping it off. We yeah. will we will give John Mulaney. Great uh, great comedian. Oh, I didn't even realize. Chicken. It is, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do love yeah, John it's Mulaney a, though. It's a He's great good. Bit. I'm pretty sure yeah. this is the third episode that we've like done a John Mulaney bit on. We really like John Mulaney. Love him. So, where was I? So in 1923, just two years after they started adding, you know, lead to gas, Thomas Midgley, who was one of the GM engineers who discovered leaded gas, nearly died fighting an illness found to be directly related to his exposure to the leaded gasoline. Yeah, he's just like, <coughs> well, listen, listen how quiet that engine is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they could hear him coughing over the engine. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it's so quiet. I can yeah. hear Midgley over there hacking his lungs up. Like, that's so quiet. And for some reason, his hands aren't working, and he's going blind, and he can't father children, and he's also a little angry, and he might kill a bunch of people. 
Hmm. He's got so, bad genes. <laughs> I blame uh, the Saturn. Right. I blame it's Benjamin Saturn. Franklin. <laughs> so in the following year, roughly 15 workers who helped produce the additive died. In most cases, these workers spent their last days out of mental asylums due to the derangement that the lead caused. Mm-hmm. Another 300 workers from the three plants producing leaded gas were pronounced psychotic, and soon uh, leaded gasoline had earned the moniker Looney Gas. You know what I just realized? What? We're kind of lucky, because, you know, yeah, they're going through that whole sat- Saturn... What is, it? what is it again? Tell me. What is it? Saturnism? Yeah. So they're going through this whole Saturnism thing, right? And I, I made the joke that they were going to eat their children. But the lead also makes it to where you can't have kids. So like That's it cancels true. it out. Mm, like you're fine. You can't eat your children. Cancels it out. Because you don't have any. <laughs> so in the following six decades, nearly 5,000 Americans died every year from lead poisoning. Although, that being said, I know that that's a dark fact. It's likely that lead claimed many, many, many more lives than that. Oh, oh, you and I'll so get to that thought, in a moment. I thought you were going to be like, oh, I know that sounded like a dark fact, but. But no, you were like, I know that sounded like a dark fact. It actually is much, much worse. <laughs> it's much darker than it sounds, yes. <laughs> God. So in the 1970s, the U.S. really did start to pick up on the fact that lead might not be all that good for you, despite the fact that the Greeks and the Romans had pointed that out over 2,000 years prior. Yeah, and so did one of our founding fathers. (laughs) Yeah. So as it became proven that increased levels of lead caused stillbirths, lower IQ in children, increased mental issues in the general population, and many other health problems, public demand for the government to step in grew. So in 1973, the U.S. began drastically reducing the amount of lead and gasoline and lead use in paint and other household products. Uh, but that was all completely banned in 1978 in the household products. The leaded gasoline, we still worked on it for a while. God, 1978? Yep. So very recently. Yeah. And immediately the benefits were shown. In a CDC study in 1976 to 1980, showed that 77.8% of the Americans had elevated blood lead levels. In 1991 to 1994, a study by the same institute showed that the share of people with such high levels had dropped to 2.2%. Okay, that's that's insanely lower. But like, okay, when you say like severe, like severely high, like is that like to the point that you could have like side effects? Yes. So That's, how, you said like 78%? 77.8% of oh people my God. had so much in their blood that it could be causing mental or it could be causing health issues. That's insane. Not that it necessarily was, but it but was a concern it, yeah. about. Yeah. Now we get on to what I think is the really interesting bit. And that bit is called the lead crime hypothesis. Mm-hmm. The lead crime hypothesis is plainly a way to describe the correlation between elevated lead levels in the population and an increase in crime, especially violent crime. The thought is that due to the larger amounts of lead in children's bloodstreams, crime rates and the severity of such crimes rose in the 20th century. Now let's think back on leaded fuels, which came about in 1923, as previously stated. Mm -hmm. As time went by, more cars were on the roads, especially going into the late 40s and early 50s. Hold on. Are you, are you trying to insinuate that leaded gas caused World War II? No, this is actually after World War II. This okay. Pick up, so, yeah. Okay. 
So more cars means more leaded gas being burned, more lead in the air. And that's when this really started to pick up. But Cayman, where did where did cars really start taking off? Germany. Germany. Back to oh the my Germans. god, we are back to the Germans. Right right at right around World War II. Could could leaded gasoline have caused Hitler? Yep, you know where the first car was invented? Hitler's basement. Germany. Germany. <laughs> it was a Mercedes-Benz. It was not No. Uh, and also the world's largest producer of cars to this day, Volkswagen. So, you know, back to And that's in Germany. <laughs> you got me distracted by cars. I said I wouldn't do this. And now look what Germany, you've Germany, you've got a lot to answer for here. <laughs> so, simultaneously, more lead paint and lead products were being placed in American households due to the economic boom of the same era. In the late 30s to the early 40s, there was, in the U.S., an average of roughly 160 violent crimes per 100,000 people. By the late 60s, there was an average of 750 violent crimes per 100,000 people. That is a 469% increase overall. That's crazy. As the increase in lead blood levels rose in children, so too did the level of violent crimes roughly 20 years later. Literally, you can look at the two graphs of like blood level, blood lead levels in children and the graph of violent crimes and like push the violent crimes one back 20 years and it directly correlates. Mm-hmm. Like it's insane. Of course, I mean, there is deviation, right. but you can look it up yourself and see how close it is. It's, it's, it's wild. Homicide rates and assault cases being violent crimes rose the most, uh, but so did other negative aspects of society. Drug use unplanned pregnancy delinquency and juvenile detention were becoming more common the more that children had lead in their blood then the restrictions of lead came to the u.s and you'll never guess what happened violent crime rates and the rates of all those other things began to drop i, I feel like i could have guessed that you probably could have I, especially if it, I, I feel like if you gave me enough time you said i'd never <laughs> do it i feel like i could have so by the late 1990s it was clear that the u.s was turning a new corner And while the rate of violent crimes in the U.S. today still isn't great, in 2019, the number of violent crimes per 100,000 had fallen to 366.7. So that's a huge step down. Further than that, the severity of the crimes also fell. If you're listening to this podcast, odds are you listen to other podcasts, and that probably means you either listen to or at least have heard of a few true crime podcasts. Ever notice... Listening to these podcasts, how there were so many serial killers in the late 60s through the mid-90s? Well, that's because the rate of serial killers rose and subsequently fell rapidly. Lead? Possibly so. And honestly, I think that that is a good theory. And also, the rise of the internet. True. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) there's so many things you can attribute to that. There's a lot of things you could attribute it to. Like, it's it's interesting that those graphs line up, but I don't know about all that. I don't know about saying that serial killers in the 90s is because lead. Listen, 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 listen. I'm definitely not saying that the lead crime hypothesis accounts for everything. Of course, there was an increase in crime prevention services, more support programs for impoverished people, and all that jazz. And we militarized the police. Very important. Uh, But... The lead crime hypothesis is certainly something to consider. Correlation is not causation, but that doesn't mean that the theory isn't credible is all that I'm trying to say. Today, for the most part, the world is very conscious of the dangers of lead. Now, it's still very much used today, but mainly in batteries where it doesn't seem too detrimental to anyone's health. 
the major countries today that still use leaded gasoline are just Algeria, Iraq, Yemen, Myanmar, North Korea, and Afghanistan. And those are all super peaceful countries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they have it's the true. quietest engines, though, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Myanmar is doing so great right now, I don't even know what its name is or if it has a government. Hashtag pray for Myanmar. <laughs> I, yeah, I... I, I couldn't remember if that was the country that was having all this stuff happen. Anyway. Yeah, it's real bad in Myanmar right now. Which bums me out because I've always wanted to go see Angerwat, which of course is in Myanmar. Of course. Uh, that being said, of course, lead's still being used sometimes in problematic ways today in the U.S. Think, for instance, of the Flint water crisis. When you start thinking about why that's so bad, it's because of the lead. And lead is detrimental. And those impoverished communities will have problems with their children with themselves if they do not get clean water. So it's still around today and still something to keep in mind. So that's pretty much it for lead for now. Uh, I only have two after notes. So Michael, you have anything to say before I go at them? Yeah, I want to talk about Flint, Michigan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not getting Flint, Michigan. But now we know why it's not good, which is important. Knowledge is power. So my first after note. Lead poisoning likely was the cause of death of composer Ludwig van Beethoven. Uh, he constantly had poor health, digestive problems, abdominal pain, irritability, and depression. Once again, German. Oh, wow. He might be Austrian. I think he's German. What's the difference? Come on. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, he frequently visited doctors looking for a cure to no avail, but chemical analysis of his hair made by scientists at the Health Research Institute in Naperville, Illinois which is the only time that we will reference Naperville. So if you live there, congratulations. Hold on. How did how did people in Illinois get Beethoven's hair? Like, how do you even <laughs> I don't request know. that? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. But it, <laughs> they did. And their studies showed evidence of poisoning from lead in his hair uh, back in 2000. So... So it's in there too. Hold on. So if it's if it, if you like died with lead in your system, like it's in the ground at that point. No, yeah, that's no, that's the thing. That's the problem with lead. Lead is a base, like chemical. It, or okay. I mean, a, it's a it's a it uh, is a periodic element. table of elements. It is an it is an element, so it doesn't yeah. really break down. So all that lead that's gone in the air, all that lead that's run through the water, all the lead that's like gone into our bodies and stuff, like it doesn't break down. It's still in the soil, it's still in the people, it's still in the water. All that lead that was blasted in the air is still like it goes in the air, lays, and like that's where it lays until it's moved. Great. Yeah, um like you're worried about lead being in the ground. That's where lead comes from, Michael. That's a good it comes does. from the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's in the ground already. But in more concentrated areas. Like, I don't I, mean, I don't need to spread. Well, I mean like, I like vegetables have trace amounts of lead then in them because they're grown in the ground. Like that's just Right. That's just yeah. a thing. So well, no more vegetables. Well, no, no more vegetables. Technically, there's uh, higher amounts now that we use. I'm sure that's true. So yeah, long. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, what are you going to do about it now? No, I mean, you can't. <laughs> lead vacuum. So, Big lead vacuum. <laughs> Second afternote. Uh, aristocratic Europeans avoided tomatoes for a long time, calling them the poison apple due to the sickness that they caused. Uh, poor folks in Europe didn't seem to get sick from eating them, however. So it wasn't until the invention of pizza in 1880 that tomatoes gained widespread popularity. 
Turns out that the tomatoes weren't poisonous, but rather the acid in them would eat into the pewter plates often used by more affluent families, releasing the lead inside and giving them lead poisoning. Wow. Hmm. Yep. Pizza out here, saving lives. (laughs) No, pizza's just... Yeah. Oh, well, I guess the tomatoes were killing people, the pizza is saving lives, yeah. Yeah. Well, the plates were killing people. Because the tomatoes tomatoes were fine. I don't think... Well, I'm sure someone's died of a tomato. Tomatoes don't kill people. Plates kill people. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) That's the important thing to take away. And that's why Benjamin Franklin made the 11th Amendment. (laughs) No plates. You must eat tomatoes. No plates. I was expecting no plates. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The 11th Amendment is if you eat pizza with a fork and knife, you're going to (laughs) die. Sometimes that's okay. No. Never. I mean, if you want lead okay. poisoning, it's okay. Listen, if you're if you're going through life worried about how people are going to perceive you because of how you eat your pizza in dumb ways, you're not living life to the fullest, my man. Eat that pizza with a fork. Eat that pizza backwards. No, wait, who is it that ate the pizza backwards? I think it was Trump, wasn't it? Was it Donald Trump? I thought it was Trump. Very Donald political. Trump. He was president. <laughs> well, I mean, it is political, but we're not even saying anything <laughs> bad. I'm saying eat your pizza... However you want to eat your pizza, it's okay. Don't let Michael's propaganda come at you. Donald Trump! So yeah, Michael, you you have anything left to say? Yeah, no, I got nothing else, Came, and Why don't you go ahead and tell the people where they can find us? So be sure to follow us on Instagram. At I really wish you hadn't. That's the only social media we're doing right now because Twitter's garbage and I don't like it, so I never post to it. Uh, we're also doing a giveaway this week where one lucky person gets to have the keys to Colin's car. So be sure to leave a <laughs> no, comment for your chances no, to win. It's not happening. Yep, you're gonna win I, Colin's I, car. I, me, me and no, Cayman already voted car. on it, and you it's, it's keys to look, my hey, car. We already agreed. Of. It's a. It is a. We live in a democracy. Okay, it's two <laughs> yep. versus three. You got to give away your car. No, this we you have didn't to promote even the say podcast. They get my car. They get the keys. Only the keys. And even then, no. But also, no, not the car. So you so get check, Colin's check, check car. Check that out on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> While you're at it, also be sure to leave us a review and rate us on your favorite podcast network. And then, you know, share a link to all your family members so we can get more exposure, get rich, and quit our day jobs. We would appreciate that a lot. That'd be great. Yeah, that that would be very nice. Oh, Colin, actually, since I'm fairly certain it's public domain, could you play us out with a bit of the Ludwig van Beethoven? Uh, sure. I really wish you hadn't is hosted by me, Michael Bentley, and Kevin McMahon. We are produced by Colin Moore. Intro music by Tax Story. Our outro music is by Ludwig von Beethoven, also known as that guy that died of lead poisoning. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, eat your pizza like a normal person. Don't eat, eat your it backwards. No. Don't eat fold it. However it. You want. Don't eat it with a fork and God. knife. Eat it like an American. Okay, and that means that is not the takeaway from this episode. Order Little Caesars. Five dollars. That's all it costs. And you get a whole pizza. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) And as always, we are not sponsored by Little Caesars.